0: Thank you, Allison. And I appreciate that much. Daniel chapter number one. If you're turning your Bibles there, Daniel chapter number one. And just a word of clarification with Mark Allen. That's a high uh, heart rate, not a high blood pressure, okay? And so I encourage you just to pray for him. They did change the antibiotic today too, I believe, is what Marky said. So do pray for him immensely. The title of the message is simply this, The Proper Appeal to All Authority. The Proper Appeal to All Authority. And boy, uh if, from my perspective, uh, it is a much-needed conversation. It is a much-needed topic for a message and current events in many ways as we deal with this. And uh, as we've gotten through Titus, it's been on my heart to do so even long before that, as I mentioned this morning, I've been wanting to uh, preach a message to equip our young people especially, but also we as adults, as for our own instances and uh, situations that we encounter in handling how to properly appeal to a, uh, someone in authority over me. Um, as you think about it in terms of it, we're asking this question. What would God have me to do when I feel that I need to approach an authority about a concern, about something that was asked of me or perceived offense, whatever the case may be? How am I supposed to have, uh, handle that? And if we're honest, we are way too often we allow our flesh to be the schoolteacher that helps us deal with it. Uh, we, we go by our flesh, what our flesh wants to do, how it wants to react. And in those cases, what happens? Those appeals go uh, not so very well. When our flesh run, runs away with us, when it controls us and governs how we approach an authority, and and uh, it kind of runs away with us. We going to put it that way. When we don't handle the situations well, uh, and how we act or how we react. Um, and we decide to react in the wrong way. In other words, we can get angry. We can get mad. We can uh, just uh, undermine them. We can attack the authority behind their back instead of appealing to them face-to-face. We can do all sorts of things. We all know it. We've all seen it, whether it be workplace or in the home, maybe between a teenager and a parent, whatever the case may be. And, and you've seen it in all kinds of places where there's authority. If we don't handle that right, in essence, if we make the decision to not handle it biblically, The problem is this, it, like every other decision in life, has consequences, has consequences. And no doubt you, as I have, have seen it maybe in the workplace or, again, another place where it negatively affects someone's future and in many other areas. No decision is without consequence. And as we understand, the decisions of today are the determiners of tomorrow, It's good as we start this, and I think we're going to come at a very robust um, perspective on this topic. First thing we've got to understand, remind ourselves of this truth. There's no one that isn't under authority. We're all under authority one way or another, and certainly that's God, but even beyond that, we're all under human authority one way or the other. From uh, the, uh, the moment of being a child onward throughout life, we find ourselves under authority, Sometimes in response to that truth and that reality, some people say, well, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I, I don't want to have any kind of boss, so when I get older, I'll run my own business. I'll be my own boss. All that means is this. You may be a boss, but you've got hundreds of others they are called customers. And sometimes they can be the worst bosses. Amen? So I mean that's reality, right? I mean so we try to maybe get out from under but we're all going to we're all under authority. We we do have authorities in our life whether that's school, the workplace or church or even the government and this is what we do know. We know that all human uh, that with human authorities that all humans are perfect. And therefore all human authorities are perfect. No way, no, they 're not, are they? I mean I, if you 're perfect, I'm going to put you in authority, amen. I want to give you a position of authority. Hey, wait a minute, so all humans, none of us are perfect, and so therefore, if humans are in authority, then therefore no authority is perfect aren 't you? we really glad we settled that, huh that 's reality. sometimes we seem to forget that. sometimes we forget that, yeah, you know what I'm under a human authority, and they are just that they 're human. See, we all make mistakes. And therefore, authorities are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Furthermore, let's define those mistakes that each one of us have as people, as a person. You know, the fact is this. We all have moments when we are controlled by emotions. We give in to that. We, we ought not to. Our emotions should not control us. But there are times when our emotions about something get us worked up, and, and we can give in to that. We can have moments when we are controlled by our selfish ambitions, right? I want that. <laughs> so I'm going to do, what I, do what, I, what I have to to get it. Our selfish ambitions. Sometimes we are guided by our misinformed opinions. The longer I live, the, the more I realize opinions are powerful. Because people hold to them like the Bible doctrine. And I'll tell you, friend, well, you and I have got to make sure we keep our opinions for what they are man made opinions. And they are subservient to the word of God and the instructions of God's word. So, but I can act by opinion and, and I can wield authority by my own misinformed opinions. Or we fail, for all of us, at being spirit controlled. We don't yield. And that's all of us. Now, you take that and you apply it to this reality. If that is if that is the, the problem that all humans have, and humans are authority or authorities are human, so we come to understand the very sad reality that those in authority and those under authority are not perfect. Those in authority and those under authority are not perfect. So what do we do when we have an authority in our lives that has done something that we perceive as negative or wrong? They, they've asked us to do something we don't want to do, we, we think is not good, or, uh, or they made a mistake, we believe they made a mistake in their handling of a situation involving us, and I can't just live with it. I, I can't say, okay, I'm just going to forgive it. Yeah, everybody makes mistakes, and I'll tell you, that is a good character trait to have. Let me just put that in there. Young people, And understand this. If you can get in your life and in your spiritual walk where someone can do something to you and you don't hold it to their account if you would as my father used to tell me let it roll off of you like water off a duck's back and just leave it in the past don't bring it up let it go if you can do that boy that's a great character trait isn't it because it's biblical you say pastor and i don't think I, i don't know yeah love covers a multitude of sins of offenses so you operate in love, you can put up with a lot, even from an authority or someone else in, in a relationship that you have, you can put up with a lot through a Christ-like love, a love for God and a love for a fellow man that is biblical. So that's great. If you can, but if you can't do that in a certain situation and you need to approach an authority, and there are certainly times that that is the case, you can't get over it, you can't forgive it, you can't put it behind you, and it needs to be dealt with, you, how do we do that? How do we handle that? Well, I believe throughout scriptures there's a, a, a myriad of principles that apply. But I don't think there's any better um, uh, life situation, um, real life situation that's presented to us than what's found here in Daniel. Look with me in Daniel chapter number 1. Look at verse number 3. Certainly familiar with the, the story, but let's understand here this concept of a proper appeal to all authority. Look at verse number 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom were no, no, no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had an ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans." And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end of thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Verse 8, we'll just read the first part, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. And then you notice the next three words. Therefore... He requested. Now, we're going to stop there because that's about as much we'll get through tonight. Um, but therefore, he requested. This will be appeal, right? Okay, so we have an appeal. Daniel's making it here, and it's to an authority, the eunuch who is, in essence, going to be an appeal to the king. So, wow, this is a good illustration because he's requested something of him that doesn't sit right with him. It's not something that he can just get over. It's not something that he can just leave in the past. This is something that Daniel says, okay, I need to deal with this. In all through this, let's remember an overarching theme to, um, or truth, principle, instruction, when we're in the world and you're dealing with authority. Can I tell you how you respond to authority in the world is one of the greatest ways for your light to shine. It will distinguish you as you handle it biblically. Uh, maybe a, a boss that's even dishonest, or a boss that just isn't a great boss, they aren't great organizationally, whatever the case may be, uh, someone in authority, how you handle that out in the world can be a great testimony, as it was even here with Daniel. Okay, so what do we learn from Daniel? Let, let, let's learn a few things so that you and I can apply it as we try to appeal to authority. Number one, I want you to see this. Daniel had a prior purpose that set the proper tone. So when you and I deal with authority in our lives, we need to make sure that we have a prior purpose that sets a proper tone. We've heard messages on verse number 8, obviously, this, and they've been very good in drawing our attention to the decisions of the heart. Making decisions, purposing in our heart, as Daniel did here, to not defile himself. And certainly we need to do the same thing. And yet in that, in purposing to not defile ourselves, we need to do so in ways that even beyond what the text says here. May I submit to you this in dealing with authority? We need to purpose to not defile our reputation and interaction in the eyes of the authority. If you'll notice something about Daniel, he has a testimony, a reputation of being well favored. He has a testimony of of handling things well. In fact, we'll look at verse number uh, 9, he's in favor with the uh, the eunuch and so forth. And boy, throughout the book of Daniel, it is a story of Daniel being well favored, having this reputation of of having a good interaction with the um uh, the person or the king, the the leaders in authority. And I think it comes from this reality, I believe. In fact, I know it does. It it comes from this purposing. But here's the problem. You know, from the early stages of life, from uh, from the very first no that we say to our mother, our flesh wants us to be a rebel. Our flesh wants us to be rebel. Now, let me just interject something here, because here's an issue that we face today, okay? The problem that we face today is this. There is a whole lot of philosophy and teaching out in the world that appeals to our flesh. Get it? A whole lot of teaching and philosophy, a whole lot of thinking, thinking, a whole lot of reasoning that's out there that you'll get from different people, you'll get from different sources in the world and the culture, and certainly Satan, the root of it, that appeals to our flesh, and here's one of them, okay? The fact is this, the Bible says that the heart is desperately good, wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. There's no good thing that dwelleth in me. Can I tell you, the world hates to hear that truth. And you and I can buy into and say, no, wait a minute, Pastor Henry. You said I'm a rebel since I'm a child. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think I classify myself as a rebel. Hey, hate to break it to you. You're a rebel. Your flesh is a rebel. Your sinful nature is a rebel. You are disobedient if you follow the human flesh, the fallen sinful natures we saw this morning. We are naturally rebels. Be careful. Some of us have bought into the world. No, I'm, I'm really just a good person. We aren't. <laughs> Our hearts are desperately wicked. Now, the good news is Jesus Christ comes along and prays the Lord for the change he makes. But in me, I'm desperately wicked. I am naturally a rebel. And boy, when I first t- told my mom no, she knew it. Same with you. Same with you. That's who we are in our flesh. Our flesh doesn't want to be led by anyone. We like to call the shots. It's a great struggle when those in authority get it wrong. And when they don't behave themselves in a manner in which we deem right and appropriate. In other words, I mean, you see it throughout all of adolescence, okay? (laughs) A parent says to a 5-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 9-year-old, an 11-year-old, hey, it's such and such time, it's time to go to bed. Oh, I'm not tired. See, mom, you made a wrong decision. (laughs) Mom, you don't have the right details and the right facts. You've made a wrong decision. Isn't that amazing? We've rebelled. It's a demonstration of the rebellion that's in our heart. Here's someone who's entrusted by God as an authority to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, and we're rebelling against it. Maybe we put it this way. You see the statement here. And the fact is that in our flesh, before salvation, we have embraced the rebel mentality of our flesh. And before you say, no, pastor, I never did that. Hey, my friend, if you ever said no to your mom, you did. If you ever did your own thing instead of doing what an authority in your life, you did. Now, here's the problem with that. If I am naturally that, by natural sinful fallen flesh and, and nature, after I'm saved, we've got a problem. We've got a war going on, and it's working against me. That is my new nature in Jesus Christ. It's working against my new creature that I am, new spirit found in Christ. And so, from the moment we're saved, uh, there's even a greater struggle um, because, up until that point, guess who's been in charge? The rebel. I made decisions by what I want, what I desire, what I like. So the rebel has had free reign, if we might describe it as such. We may mask it. We may hide it well. And there may be times we come under authority. But reality is, before we come to know Jesus Christ, boy, uh, I have yielded myself servants into sin. That's part of this flesh and uh, being a rebel. We embraced it. And the fact is, even after we're saved, it still wants to be embraced. That's why it's so important. Here's the here, here's the meaning or the purpose behind it. It's important that you and I purpose right now to in our lives not to be a rebel. We ought to make up our heart and our mind not to be a rebel. Put it this way. We ought to set the goal uh, as the same thing that God's goal would be for my life. That I am to give honor and obedience to those in authority over me. That I am to humbly live peaceably with all men. And that I am to reflect upon my Savior well, whose name I claim. See, That ought to be my goal. And so I'm going to deny the rebel. I'm not going to live unto myself and please that old flesh. I'm not going to be the rebel that wants to still rule and reign. No, I'm going to live with this as my goal. I love this verse in Romans chapter number 12 and verse 18. It says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, and there's some stinkers of Christians who say, see, pastor, there's an out in that verse. If it be possible, as much as life is, hey, boy, that verse was written because God knew who my boss was going to be. God knew who this person in my life was going to be. Do you realize, hey, l- let's tie it in with other scriptures. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. All things are possible with Him. So uh, think of it, I can live peacefully. If I, if I plug in to the power of God, to the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction of my life, the power of God's word, I can live peacefully with just about anybody. It may take a whole lot of humility. It may take a whole lot of purposing ahead of time. Boy, I, I can get along with them. Doesn't mean I have to always hang out with them. Doesn't mean I always have to make sure that. I'm, but the reality is, I, I can live peaceably. And so it is true with even those in authority. You know what's interesting in, in there in Romans chapter twelve, verse eighteen. The verses before and after, excuse me, say this: Recompense no man to no man evil for evil. And afterwards, it says uh, simply the idea of provide things honest in the sight of all men. Some some good practical reality of how do I live peaceably with men. See, we are naturally rebels and we want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing. You need biblical proof of that. You know the verse Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way. Yeah, his own way. We want to go our way. We want to go our path. And you know what's interesting? Uh, the Bible, twice over in Proverbs, says there's, right, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end of that is death. <laughs> So we like to go our own way, and even though it leads to destruction and death, we like to go our own. We are, we are rebels. We must, as believers, die to that part of ourselves and purpose not to give ground to the rebel mindset and attitude that is flesh-driven, and may I say this, don't miss it, it is sadly encouraged by our world and Satan-serving philosophies. Okay, so let's put it in context. Now, the culture in which you and I grow up, <laughs> are growing up, living in, is this. They like to say this: question authority. It's funny we didn't read that in the scriptures. Question authority. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Daniel didn't question. Daniel should "Hey, um, I'd like to make a request," and yet he had already set a proper tone of saying, "Okay, I, I'm going along. I, I have a great attitude. And a great. I, I'm not going to be a rebel." Daniel didn't wasn't known as a rebel. He had set a great tone by which to approach the authority. See, such a thought, a question of authority, it's a common catchphrase that is bantered around, has become a rallying cry among flesh-driven generations, and see any authority as a yoke to cast aside to be rebelled against. And it's not just this generation. Every generation has folks in it. The more we give in to the devil and give place to the flesh, the more you're going to hear things like this. Need I take you back to the 70s and 60s? Rebellion, questioning authority, it's nothing new. In fact, it started in the Garden of Eden and even before that, didn't it? That's where it started. And so Satan's trying to get you and I to buy into it. Now listen to me, listen to me very carefully. Here's one of the problems with our appeals to authority. We have allowed the world to inform us not only what authority is, what respect is, what what my part is. Notice this. This was written, and I love reading some writings of the world to get what their thoughts and their minds are. Here's a collegiate author and someone who's in college, a young lady, and she wrote an article dealing with respect for authority, how to respond to authority and how to interact with authority. Here here was her statement from her article, and I think uh, she was dealing with what's the proper response to authority. Here's what she wrote. Isn't this interesting? One of our college students here in America, she wrote this. Yes, I question authority. Yes, I speak out. I disagree. I argue, and I do not always listen. And she was presenting this as this is a good way. This is how we interact with authority. May I just simply tell you, young person, don't buy into that garbage because you know what she just described? That's a rebel. That's a rebel. Doesn't listen, argues, disputes, and so forth. And I can guarantee you, by the tenor and tone of the article, and I can show it to you, you can tell this lady set out, she purposed in her heart to be a rebel. See, it's all about having a prior purpose that sets the proper tone. If you go into a workplace, if you live in your home, if you go into any place of authority and you set a proper tone, you know what, I'm not going to be a rebel. I'm going to do my best to honor and obey the authority God has placed in my life. My friend, it will go a whole lot better for you, and you will honor God. Instead of an attitude as this, May I just submit to you that you take this kind of attitude, this pre-existing purpose and decision of one's heart into the home, into the school, into the workplace, and you're going to set yourself up for problems and difficulties, and you will get a reputation as a rebel, a trouble causer, and a lightning rod for issues. Can I ask you, did Daniel have that reputation after his encounter with authority, this appeal to authority? No way. What happens to Daniel afterwards? What's well, the opposite. He had a reputation of being humble, respected young man. He was held in esteem and favor by those in authority. And what happened to Daniel? He stood out for promotion. Talk about somebody who handled it right. He went into this instance here where he had to make an appeal to authority and already had set a good tone and he had a proper purpose in his heart and life to, hey, I'm going to handle this in a way that glorifies God. Boy, how we need that in our workplaces today. How we need that in our homes, between children and parents. How we need that in every place where there's an authority See, what's amazing about this, and I like it, What was David's purpose from the beginning, uh, beforehand, uh, sometime in his life before this instance, did he have this desire to say, okay, whatever it takes to get promotion, whatever it takes to be respected by the authority, whatever it takes for me to be recognized and favored by, No, no, that was not his purpose. His purpose was this. Well, we know it. He had a conviction not to defile himself. That he's going to please God in all things. And he was not going to defile himself, whether it be the, the, the food and the wine of the king or his reputation, the sully because of being a rebel. He's the guy that always speaks out and rebels against what is asked. No, that's not what you see here. You see a young man who has set a great proper tone by having a good prior purpose to say, you know what, I'm going to follow God in this. I'm going to do what God would have me to do. May I ask you tonight, have you ever purposed? Have you ever made the decision and established the conviction that you won't be a rebel? That you'll humbly do what it takes to live peaceably with all men, especially those in authority over you? Have you ever purposed to not have a rebel reputation? You say, well, Pastor, I, I just don't think I need to do that. Well, let me hear Here, Here's the question to know if you need to do it. Do you have a flesh? If you do, then you need a purpose. I'm not going to be a rebel. Whatever the area or the arena of authority and that someone is over in, I don't want to be a rebel. So, Father, help me in this situation not to be a rebel. I, I don't want to have that attitude. I don't want to have that reputation of being someone who always speaks up and argues and doesn't listen sometimes. No, no I, That's not pleasing to you. That's not obedient to the Scriptures, so I don't want it. Purpose in your heart that I'm going to set a proper tone in my interactions with authority so that when down the road a situation comes up that I need to appeal to them. You know what? My reputation walking in that office is not a rebel, but is a reasonable, respected person. And my friend, that does a great job of setting the groundwork to properly appeal to authority. Uh, we, these are predecessors you might describe them as in this sense. In order in those times of needed appeal for uh, two authorities to handle it correctly, we need a purpose, again, not to be a rebel and set a tone, don't miss it, for humility, for a non-rebellious attitude. And uh, long before that situation, uh, Peter says it well, doesn't he? First Peter chapter five, verse five: For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. I'm grateful that when you and I are humble, it is literally the opening of a door of grace to flow into our life and into the specific situation that is at hand. Do you get that? If I could implore you of anything, say, Pastor Henry, this week, boy, I've got to talk to my boss. I've got to talk to my supervisor. Well, you can never, 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 never go wrong with humility. You can never go wrong with humility. Humbling yourselves, and boy, that again, that does not sit well with the rebel flesh. But if you come in there with humility, man, we know one thing's on your side, God is, because he resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourself. Hey, young person, you appeal to mom and dad for something, humble yourself. No matter the outcome, humble yourself. Notice it. Look at verse number nine. Let's read there, okay? Notice this, a great statement. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Man, that's great, isn't it? I love hearing stories of, of Christians who come and tell me, hey, you know, man, my boss really loves me. And what they're saying is, boy, I'm a hard worker. I I respect them. I do right by them. And I I love hearing those stories. And often those Christians are promoted and blessed in different ways. And when they have a question for the boss, the boss, yeah, come on in. Sit down. What do you have to say? Oh, man, I'm going to take that into consideration. It is a respectfulness in response. That's what David here enjoys. And we can say, oh, yeah, God gave Daniel that favor. He worked in, alone in the heart and mind of the prince. I think that's true. But I think also, going back to even verse number four, David had set a, uh, a history. Let's put it this way. Okay, uh, Not only, as we've already seen, are we to have a prior purpose that sets a proper tone. But number two, uh, this is true. We need to establish a track record of respect and support for that authority. We need to establish a track record of, uh, of respect and support. See, long before the issue arises, long before there's conflict on a perceived offense, long before there's a need for appeal, work at establishing a history of support and respect for that authority. Get behind them. Let them know that you're a team player that that authority can count on. See, I really believe that this prince in this story, and I think it bears out in what we do know, that he looked at Daniel, boy, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. I can trust him. If he comes to me with a question, boy, I can take it serious. I mean, you think in that kind of setting, you know what would have been easy for the the prince or the eunuch to do? Get back over there and be quiet. I mean, Daniel was a captive. He was a slave. And yet, we see that he was well-entreated and it goes back to the reality that David, I believe, or excuse me, Daniel had established a track record of respect and honor. He's already well-favored, we read. However, you want to apply it and such. So what, how does that help us? Well, here's the reality. You and I le- need to let it be known that we are faithful to our task. We do our job, that we support the person that's in authority, those in authority, and we are workable. They ask us to do something. Sure, I'll do that. I'll handle that. Yeah, I'll be workable. I'll humble myself and be workable. Listen, these are opposite traits of the flesh and the rebel. And you can be assured that Daniel had done this going all the way back to t- verse 4. He was chosen. He was appointed to this training. He was on the fast track to be a leader in the kingdom. He had a reputation for being humble, obedient, a respectful supporter of those in authority. And this was a forced authority in his life. Remember, these are the people who probably killed some of Daniel's family. They ripped him out of his house, his home, his homeland, his nation. He, they ripped him out. And this is the authority in his life. I don't think any of you can say that about your boss. The authority in your life. Yeah, literally ripped him out. I mean, this is who Daniel is dealing with. They captured him. They were well known for being cruel and barbaric at times. And yet he still, he still subscribed to the principle of Romans 13, that all authority is ordained by God. He set them up, God did, and our responsibility is not to resist, but to respect and honor. So we can safely assume and derive from verse number 4, that David had already established a track record of respecting and honoring, even supporting the authority of the prince. Uh, This is what I believe. I believe Daniel was probably known for getting his three friends and others to do what what was asked of them. I I think that he probably had a reputation for being the encourager among the group. Say, okay, guys, let's do this. This ain't going to kill us. We need to do this. Let's let's just obey. Let's do it. I I think he was that kind of guy. I think his reputation is borne out throughout this book of that truth. And, And we ought to be like that as Believers. We ought to have a reputation of the guy at the work, or the lady at work, or or, or the child at home that says, okay, mom and dad have said it, the boss has said it, let's just obey, let's support that, let's go along, let's be workable, not the rebel. And may I tell you, my friend, when you do that, that will set a tone that will give you a little bit of a a track record of respect and support that will now pave the way for you to have a good appeal to an authority. Isn't it amazing how people love to rebel against authority? They love to lash out of authority, like to speak bad, bad about authority, and then they want something from the authority. And here's the track record, boy. We 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 ran them in the ground. We we've, we've been a, a thorn in their flesh, and we torn them down. We questioned everything, as that lady said in the article. I are you? I, I don't even listen sometimes. And then you want to make an appeal? I mean, really? Come on. And then what do we do? well, that authority never listens. That's how we, you say, oh, Pastor Henry, there's bad, I get it, there's bad authorities out there, but there's a whole lot of flesh out there too. There's a whole lot of rebels out there, and you and I can be one if we give into our flesh. Daniel gives us a good example and a truth here that we need to take hold of. My friend, you take a person that does not show respect, a person that is always arguing and questioning authority, a person that shows very little support for the authority, and what grounds or foundation will they have for a proper appeal in a le- on a legitimate issue? What they're appealing may be perfectly good and right, but boy, they have no track record. They have no currency to spend, no track record upon which to be heard or given legitimacy for their cause to be heard. Now listen to me. Let me expose an error in the world's thinking. Notice this statement from the same article. And this is uh, a good picture of where much of the world is in their thinking. Here's the statement from the article. Authority, same author, authority does not automatically earn you respect. Think about it for a moment. Because I would dare say this. Many Christians have bought into that. Seriously, well, isn't that true? Don't you have to earn respect? That is a great human statement, isn't it? May I submit to you this evening that God never said that? God never said that. In fact, this is what he says, and I think this is crucial for each of us to understand. This, as is stated here, as is held to and believed, is an erroneous statement. The New Testament, we don't find the word respect as we see it in, in use today and defined. In other words, you're not going to find It's in the King James. It's in the Bible there where it uses the word respect. But understand, it's not defined like how you and I define respect. It's used in a different way. In the Scriptures, the word that we find that is respect, Respect is the word honor. In fact, looking up 1828 Webster's Dictionary, most closely to what the translators of the King James would have had, it's interesting. The word honor in the verb form, the very first definition, the very first definition of six definitions is this to revere and to respect. Respect. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in Romans chapter 13, we're told about giving honor unto authority. In in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2, children are supposed to honor their parents. Now, this is an interesting thing. Don't miss it, young person. Don't miss it, Christian. When we read the word honor, oftentimes it is defined as it is defined, to respect, to revere. It is the idea of paying respect. And in these passages, you know what God says? God says, commands us to give respect to those in authority. To give respect. Not to expect them to earn it. Not to give it based upon their performance. Not to make it predicated upon how they have treated me or whether there's been reciprocated respect. You see, we used to say, we often would say about a person, well, they're in a position of authority, and so we should respect the position. And my friend, I'll tell you, that's true. That is in keeping with the biblical teaching here. Is it hard? Yes! Get a president in the White House who you feel like, oh, he doesn't deserve respect. Well, I'll tell you, the presidency deserves respect. Whether it's Obama or whether it's Trump, position deserves respect. Now, we may look at it and we say, man, they just haven't earned it. Yeah, you're right. They haven't earned it. But God said, respect authority. Be careful, Christians. Somebody right now, (laughs) don't buy into the world's teaching. Subscribe to the Scriptures and the principles and truth that God gives us. Honor that authority. Honor your parents. Respect them. Respect them. It's interesting. That's what Daniel was known for. Here's one of the ways that God gave him favor in the heart and mind of the prince of the eunuchs. In fact, we would turn, and I like this. This is a great truth, that, that flies smack in the face of what the world says. Daniel, in turn, then had earned the respect of the prince, of the eunuchs, he, he had earned respect. It was, um, uh, it, it was, you think about it, his track record earned him reciprocated respect. And it goes contrary to what the world says. It flies in the face of the thought process of the world. Remember, what is the, the, the thought process of the world? The world says this, I must get respect first. And then I will respect authority. Did you catch that? Because that's what the world is saying. If you haven't caught on, if you haven't realized that there is this cultural thinking out there that, okay, as soon as you respect me, then I can give respect to an authority. I mean, I tell you, that's not biblical. In Romans chapter 13, it doesn't speak about the authority has to give you honor before you give it honor. In in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2, it doesn't say, parents, respect your children so they in turn can give you respect. Honor them so they, that's not what it says. It says, give them respect, those in authority. It flies in the face of, again, this common thinking. Now, listen, this thought process is out there. In fact, the the author of the article would subscribe to that thought process. Notice what then this created a statement of. This thought process tends to get me in trouble, she wrote, when I don't give these individuals much respect. Remember to ask for the respect you deserve. you catch? I mean, this, I don't know. This is eye-opening. Others say this. They say it more boldly. You must demand respect. You ever hear that? I mean, we've heard it a lot. If you, uh, you may have had your head in the sand because I'll tell you, everything going on in our nation, we hear this kind of junk, false thinking, illogical reasoning a lot. And we demand respect. Wait a second. That's, that's not biblical. Notice the assertion. Notice the assertion she makes. The next one of the next few statements she says this. I have learned the hard way that being afraid to speak against authority is allowing yourself to be disrespected. Now that is an interesting statement. Let me break it down. Would you for a second? Cuz you can get duped by her misuse of words. Do you realize what she's doing and I think this will blow open where this thinking's coming from. She has just equated saying this If I don't speak against authority, I am disrespecting me. Hmm. Who is the rebel all about? Me. Do you see how they've kind of twisted it? Do you see how they kind of change things? And, and don't, don't, uh, don't get caught up, don't get duped by their misuse of words. She says this and writes, to speak against them. What she's writing and what is true of the whole article, she's really saying to rebel against them. She described in the rest of the article to speak out against authority, to argue with them, to not listen to them, to walk out on responsibility when you feel like and you don't think you've been treated well. And she gives credence to saying, well, if you feel disrespected. The key here is this, and I want you to follow the confusing logic that is embraced by so many in the world, and Christian, be careful, don't embrace it. This is what they, this is their logic, to display honor and respect to one in authority. To whom it is due, because they are in a place of authority, is an act of disrespecting myself. So we've turned this completely on our head, Now wait a minute, if I show you respect then I'm disrespecting myself, now wait a minute, where does that make sense? Who came up with that? I'll tell you who the devil did. The devil did. Because when we turn this respect and honor for authority and we we turn it and turn it around and say, well, if I do that, then I'm disrespecting myself. Boy, we've lost sight of what God says is important, what God has commanded. You see, boil it down, and it's all about me. And it's a lie that many have bought into. Now, don't mistake it. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Henry, shouldn't everyone get respect? Yes. Come on. Everybody deserves or or, or is entitled to an amount of respect. We're not going to argue that. Everyone has value, and that's a better word. Everyone has value in the eyes of, uh, of God and of us. In other words, they're created in the image of God. They're a created being of God. Yes, they deserve value. But can I tell you, the people who are screaming, everybody deserves respect. You need to demand respect are the same people who are putting babies to death before they're even born where is the respect there and they're going to fight very soon and many are already behind the scenes to putting older people to sleep to death because they're of no use where is the respect so don't give me this junk everybody deserves respect but we're going to turn around and kill babies and we're going to kill older people because they're no more use to us listen i'm not buying into the hogwash of the world anymore we're not going to give in to them. We're not going to let them define and tell us, okay, this is respect for authority. We all, no. We can respect people. We can value people. You see, the fact of the matter is, and, and read through their emotional <laughs> straw men, the things they put up to try to make us feel bad for saying things like that. Listen, they will play their cards, this idea about true respect, when it is convenient for them, when it is self-serving. I say this to be true because here's one of the last statements in the article. And uh, may I say, the the author gets to the end and she agrees with me. Notice what she says. She wrote this. I know respect is not defined as it once was. Thank you. But shouldn't it be more prominent as we truly embrace that statement? All men are created equal. And all the Americans said, amen. Amen. Declaration of Independence. Yeah, that's it. May I tell you what they just done? They played a great game. She just made a great statement. She's trying to kind of, what are they really doing? What's the world trying to get us to do? Well, it's a classical argument. It's a good admission if you can see it. Because what do they want to do? Do you realize what their first desire is to do? They want to redefine what respect is. Did you catch that? She said it's already been redefined. No longer is honor and reverence. We're going to redefine it so that it means something more in keeping with what they like, what they feel good about. That new definition then should be emphasized as we focus on the new definition, notice it, of everyone created equal. You see the application of it? So, so what they're saying, we're going to redefine what respect is, what it really means, and we're going to redefine in scope of all men are created equal. Gone is the reality of the Declaration of Independence, just establishing that everyone is entitled to liberty and freedom from oppression, and now we're applying that everyone is created equal. Do not miss it. Here's what it is. Everyone's created equal, so we shouldn't have any authority. That's what they're saying. They're saying, okay, if the authority deserves respect, I deserve respect. They should give me respect before I show them respect. That's literally what this is saying. Don't miss it. Here's the the, the bottom line. What is the world trying to come to? This number one, we really shouldn't have any authority that is as it used to be defined biblically. That, that's what they. That's what we're striving for. And may I just say it here? Okay. All these candidates and all these people in America who are pushing for socialism don't like authority either. You get to the root of it, you'll find that to be true. Not only is it a failed, is it a, is it a failed economical system, but the reality is it has a whole lot of philosophies behind it that go against Scripture's. Okay, so that plays into this. So we want to redefine it, especially get rid of the biblical definition of authority because we don't like it where the Bible says you need to respect authority, you need to honor authority, you need to submit to authority. Those things are are gone. They're passé. They're no longer politically correct. (laughs) We don't care about politically correct. We care about biblically correct. Okay, That's what we're getting at. And if you want to make a proper appeal at the workplace, at home, wherever it is, my friend, you've got to understand what authority is. Our responsibility in showing it respect. You know, number two is this is true. This is their desire. Everyone should have an equal voice. Haven't we heard that? Now, here's the real uh, the reality of what they're saying. And that sounds good. Yeah, we should listen to the downtrodden and so forth. What they're really saying is this. Everyone should have a say. Not just a voice, it isn't just you should listen to us, it's no, 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 we should determine policy, we should determine definitions, we should determine things. They want to be a determiner, not just to have their voice heard. So understand that. See, somebody marches into their boss's office, hey, I deserve and I demand to be heard. You know what they're really saying? I want to say how things go around here. Very seldom are they simply saying, hey, would you just listen to a, a thought, an opinion I have, and I just want to share something with you. <laughs> no, that's not what they're saying. I demand to be heard. I demand to have a voice in this place. I dem- what are they conveying? Well, I want to say. I want to help determine things. I want to have authority. Notice in number three, notice this statement. The opinion, the desires of someone in authority is no more important or worthy of value than mine. You have to listen to me. What does it breed? And, and young people, I want you to get a hold of this because this is the world we live in. See, when we don't get our way, what do we do? We get into sit-down protest. We take over buildings. Is that the proper appeal to authority? Oh yeah, God in heaven is like, yeah, you go. Really? Because that's not scriptural. See, there are ways, the Bible says this, let all things be done decently and in order. Who gets to determine the order? The one who ordered the entire universe. God does. So let all things be done decently in order. Notice this last one, and we'll be done. Notice it. For an authority to demand that I obey or follow them is an offense to my personal esteem and value. It's a disrespect to myself. That is the mindset. You may be saying, Pastor Henry, I, I don't know. Hey, listen, I am not crazy here. This is exactly the culture war that we are in. There is a war out there, whether this is going to be deemed outdated, irrelevant, and of no use. Or we're going to fight and say, no way, we're living by the book. We're going to follow God in all things and even the, the little minutia of the life and how I'm to appeal to an authority and so forth. You know, the fact is this, it's affecting the world around us. It's affecting us as Christians, our most basic understanding of respect, of authority and my interaction with the authorities in my life. And I love Daniel, why? Because he got it right. He first set a proper tone by purposing not to defile his reputation and that of God, by not giving in to his flesh's tendency to be a rebel. It would have been easy for Daniel to be a rebel in that sense. I mean, they, they killed family. They took him captive. It would have been easy. And yet he w- went around to establish a track record of respect and support that in turn produced a reciprocating respect. Hey, young person, may I just leave you with one thought tonight, and we're done If you want to earn respect as someone under authority, start by obeying God and give respect. Give respect. And my friend, as you do that and you you set a proper tone and you, you get a track record behind you of supporting and encouraging and following that authority, my friend, that will be reciprocated. And my friend, don't forget that God gives grace unto the humble. We'll pick up next week with a little bit more practical of how to do the appeal. In other words, how to approach that, that person in authority. Father, we thank you so very much for your word. We, we thank you for you helping us through your word and exposing, Lord, the, the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the worldly mind. Father, I'm thankful that you have given us instruction. And Lord, may we be constantly on guard. May your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us as we attempt to maintain biblical definitions of words, Maintain the biblical way of addressing authority and coming underneath and submitting to it. Lord, I pray that you would challenge each person here to think on these things, to search the scriptures, to make sure that we are in compliance to your way and your word. Father, help our young people to have a right attitude. Lord, help them to reject their flesh's desire to be a rebel and to kick against the pricks of authority. Lord, Lord, help them to learn to submit themselves and to respect and to support authority, and may they see that in that you will bless them and be gracious to them. Father, help us to continue next week to learn much from Daniel and how we are to uh, do this proper appeal to authority. Work in our hearts and our lives. May we be examples to those we work with. May we be an example to those all around us. And Father, even in the family and the home, the, uh, the church, the, the workplace, this Christian school, whatever the case may be, may we follow the dictates of your word and may we shine brightly for you. Father, we look forward to the day that we'll be in heaven with you. When all the world and its philosophies and its thinking will be long gone. Father, we look forward to that day where we'll commune and fellowship for all of eternity with you. We praise you for it.